710 ESPN. This is Lakers Talk. And we're going till 9 p.m. tonight. Laker fans know if we're doing Lakers Talk, the door's always open. You're always invited to be a part of the show and give your Lakers opinion. Lakers Talk is on the air. Here's Alan Sliwa. All right, one hour in the books, one hour to go. If you missed any part of the show so far, ESPN app or on iTunes, just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. You get the full two hours. Um, Funches, we gotta, I, I think this is an interesting one. First NBA story, Rasheed Wallace talking about LeBron James. Give us some context here and then play the and, sound, please. Well, Rasheed Wallace is on a podcast called the Million Dollars Podcast, and he was asked a different, you know, a list of players who would be good in his era, who would mm-hmm. not make it in his era. And the question got on LeBron James, and then this is what he said. In my era... He probably he probably would have done good because with his physical stature, with him being a little bit bigger than a majority of the rest. So he probably would have held his own, but I don't think he would have been as successful as he is now. Like now is, man, you know what I mean? Like, like he's doing it. Young boy doing it. You know what I mean? So, but it was a whole different era back then, bro. Now, Allen, yeah. you know, I could have an, he can have an argument in, or about this or whatever, but the fact is, the yeah. fact is, Alan, they played each other fifty-one times in their career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he played in his era, <laughs> and he beat okay. him. Okay, so this is where I get confused. First of all, the era part. You're right. I mean, one of the most we were talking about this earlier this morning with uh, with Travis. Um, one of the eras or one of the, the best playoff performances in the history of the playoffs. You remember back in, was it 2007 when yeah, it's scored. LeBron taking on the Detroit Pistons? LeBron versus the Pistons. It wasn't even the Cavs versus the Pistons. LeBron versus the Pistons. He scored 48 points. He had 29 of the final 30 points of that game, a playoff game that went to overtime. No, you know, absolutely no answer for him. So Rashid, it confuses me because he's giving him praise in one part of it, and then he's also saying that LeBron can't play in his era. Okay, tell me this. Help me understand this part. LeBron James is about, what do you say, 6'9", 250, 260? That's being generous. I'd say he's more like 270, 280. Okay, whatever he is, he's a beast. He's built like a tank. We're not talking about LeBron James... um, you know, being a one-dimensional player, and it's okay. Well, he can only shoot. And back in the day, he's days, a three and D guy. He's a three and D guy. Or in the '90s, Steph Curry can't have as much success because the way they play defense. We're not talking about a player like that. We're talking about Carl Malone's body, who's dishing you almost ten dimes a game, grabbing you twelve rebounds, and can drop thirty, thirty-five in any game. Tell me what era of basketball that that wouldn't be successful. And help me understand this, Funch. Help me out. The, the only thing. That I might agree with Rashid is that you know he probably wouldn't be a play a point guard. He probably wouldn't have been that successful because he probably wouldn't have been playing point guard or small forward. He probably been made a power no, forward just, like Carl Malone. But just as an example, Magic was six nine, right? I mean, he's not LeBron's not the first six foot nine point guard to play the position. So um, I have a difficult time even taking that argument or that angle because Magic, when he came in a rookie in 1979, was a point guard in the NBA for the Lakers and then in the finals suited up at center when Kareem went down. So I, I think you know we, we want to kind of sometimes say, all right, well, this player couldn't have done it here, that player couldn't have... The greats are the greats. You're going to tell me Kareem couldn't be successful today. Shaq couldn't be successful back in the days. Kobe couldn't have been successful in today's NBA or 40 years ago. 
I, I have a very difficult time believing that some of these guys can't succeed in other eras, but LeBron especially, the dude is built like a 1990 power forward in the NBA, yet he's dishing out 10 dimes and grabbing 14 rebounds. So I I don't know where Rashid's going on this one, but that is pretty funny when he says he wouldn't have been able to do it in his era, and they played 51 times against each other. Yes, uh, and if in case you don't know, in case you're curious, Rashid yep. leads um, the head-to-head matchup 27-24. to 24. I'm sure that has so much to do with Rashid's uh, impact versus <laughs> LeBron James. Well, LeBron uh, leaves uh, 13-10 in the playoffs, so that's where it counts. That's so, where it uh, counts more. What else we got? All right, so um, according to Brian Windhorst, Ben Simmons is unwilling to help the 76ers find a deal for him, and he could sit out training camp. Hit it, Steve. Uh, one of the messages that uh, Ben has sent back towards Philly is that it's not his job to fix his trade value. It's not his job to correct his trade value or raise his trade value. That is not something that is on the menu for him. And so with that out there, I don't think he's interested in coming in and trying to change the situation. And one thing that I think is interesting is that his contract is structured in a way that he's going to get half of his money by October 1st, $16.5 million of his 33 million comes before he has to worry about getting fined a single dime uh, for you know 41 of his games so he's going to have a war chest that he can just sit this out so basically alan he's saying that even before training camp starts and preseason he's going to get paid half his contract half his money for this upcoming season so he doesn't have to do anything can i tell you something and i, I listen i don't know how far this thing is going to go but i'll never forget this in the playoffs the Game 7 against the Atlanta Hawks. Philadelphia 76ers lose. And listen, Ben Simmons didn't want to shoot the freaking ball. So I, I get the criticism towards Ben Simmons. I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of his game, and I think um, if they do obviously trade him, they're trading him at a very low value. I Put it this way, I take my chances of taking a risk of bringing Ben Simmons to my franchise. But let me, let me explain a couple key mistakes from the Philadelphia 76ers. Number one, you had a tra- chance to trade him for James Harden. You didn't do it, okay? Yeah, and if you're a Laker fan, you wanted that trade to go down because the last thing you wanted was James Harden to end up in Brooklyn with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So they did nobody any favors. And um, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you should have made that trade happen. And by the way, if you're Houston, you could have built around Ben Simmons. That's not a bad proposition either. Now, what do you do if you're Ben Simmons? What do you do if you're Philadelphia? Okay, let me let me say the other thing here. After that game they lost in Game 7, there were critical moments where either your head coach and the other star player have your back or they don't. Both Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid failed to have Ben Simmons back in that moment. I mean, they said things that I just kind of sat back like, yeah, I don't know if Ben Simmons is ever going to play here again. Not because he didn't deliver in the playoffs. The dude is still incredibly young. Remember, he was drafted the same year as Brandon Ingram. Was he Brandon Ingram's year? No, that was Tatum. When was Ben Simmons? Was he uh, D'Angelo Russell's uh, draft class? Yes, he was D'Angelo Russell's draft class. Point is, is that the dude is still incredibly young. You're the other best player on the team. He's 25 years old, and your head coach didn't have your back. So I can kind of see where Ben Simmons is coming from. I'm not trying to help yeah, you guys. Yeah, I just remembered but Doc's Rivers quote, uh, Doc Rivers quote right now. I don't know if Ben Simmons can play point guard on a championship team. I mean, that's your point Bro, guard right there. That's your head coach right there saying that. You know, and they can all come out after and say, you know, I remember the next day Doc Rivers was like trying to – 
uh, the water you know, really cleans. trying to, yeah, it's really trying to kind of clean up what he said. I'm like, bro, the damage is done. You, you already said what you said. Either in that moment, you're saying we're going to come back here in the offseason. Everybody's going to get better. We're going to do everything we can to get another shot here at an NBA championship with Ben Simmons. Or you don't say that, and they didn't say that. So I think that's telling. The fact that you kind of look on, and, and Ben Simmons not trying to help the Sixers. Why would he be trying to help the Sixers? By the way, I did see this. Latest update from a sports betting perspective. The Blazers are listed as 2-1 to one favorites to land Simmons if a trade occurs. According to the odds makers at Sports Betting, Timberwolves are next in line. So... See what happens. Well, I can go to basketball Siberia in Minnesota. Um, so we yeah, got. Uh, by the way, how about that? If you end up <laughs> in Minnesota, but let, mm-hmm. let me tell you something. If you're a franchise that hasn't had much to, you know, really kind of cheer about, bro, I would take my chances around Ben Simmons and trying to figure out how to make him part of my franchise, especially a team that the expectations are not to win tomorrow. Yeah, the one team I'm really scared of getting Ben Simmons is the Warriors. Yeah, that's not good. That wouldn't be good. Yeah. And, you know, when I say that is he definitely has some of his faults. But can you imagine Ben Simmons with Steph playing the two? And, yeah, and Clay uh, playing the three. And Clay playing the three. Dream and, oh, by the way, four. Ben Simmons plays unbelievable, fantastic defense, too. Like, now you have lockdown You can guard anyone players. on the court, basically. Yeah. There you go. All right, so we're going to run into the next one. Um, the 2021 Hall of Fame class will be inducted this week, um, this weekend. And I'm going to go with, down the list of some names. I want you to give me, give me some thoughts on them. Okay. We'll start with uh, Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh will Chris be inducted. Chris Bosh. Okay. I remember the one thing I remember with Chris Bosh, remember when Phil was still the coach of the Lakers, Phil Jackson was. He said something to the effect of how good would he look in a Lakers jersey. Yeah, right. And he got fined for that. And that's right. I just, that's right. I just, I just remember. I'm like, oh, like five hundred thousand dollars. I don't know how much it was, but I love Phil saying that. Either way, I love him kind of sending that message to Bosch. Um, Chris Bosch. What do I think of him? Man, he he was a fantastic player with the Toronto Raptors. Obviously, had a specific role with the Miami Heat. Unfortunately, he didn't get to play. You know, further in his career. Uh, I'm a fan of his. I'm also a fan of him as an analyst. I think he's the, he does a good job. You Give can me also, another name. You can also say that he, you know, got LeBron one of those championships with that rebound too. I remember, by the way, you know, I was rooting against Miami winning, and when Kawhi missed a key free throw, they would have went up four. Didn't happen. Um, they come on the other end. I forget, was it LeBron who missed a three, and then Bosch grabs the rebound, rebound, throws out the round, hits a three. I'm like, of course, and then they end up winning the series. You're right. He did help LeBron. I was uh, not a fan of my <laughs> All right, next name, Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace with the big All right, throw. Ben Wallace, what do I think of with Ben? A couple things come up, come into play. Lakers, Pistons, Lakers losing the freaking NBA Finals 04. to Ben Wallace. Oh. Ben Wallace bodying up Shaq? What? By himself. By himself. Listen, it was, you know, an interesting time for the Lakers. Unfortunately, that's how the, you know, obviously their their championship career ended with Kobe and Shaquille O'Neal. Other thing, of course, with Ben Wallace, just recently watched that documentary on um, the Malice in the Palace. So you think of Ben Wallace, obviously, shoving Meta World Peace, and then everything goes from there. And this comes from our board op, Steve Paylet. He says that Ben Wallace is the only undrafted uh, NBA player to ever go into the Hall of Fame. Interesting. Good for him, by the way. I like 
By the way, I like stories like that. The dude couldn't, you know, never even looked at the basket, but he still found ways to be productive. All right. Uh, we're going to go over to Tony Kukoc, one of my Tony favorite players Kukoc. in the 90s. Kukoc was the man, and after watching The Last Dance, one of the things I think of is the play call that went against Scottie Pippen. Yeah. Scottie Pippen oh, sat God. on the bench and whined, and what did Kukoc do? Hit that shot. Buried the shot. Phil Jackson walked off the floor. Like, I remember it. Well, basically walked off the floor looking at Scotty like, do you know who the hell I am? <laughs> you sit and you listen when the greatest coach coaches, and he didn't obviously do it. And he, w- and Tony Kucho was one of the best European players ever, probably the greatest European player of the 90s if okay. you put him next to Petrovic and this? Zivak. You'll remember this because I know how much you love um, you know that era and the dream team. Yeah. How about when Jordan and Pippen oh, wanted to him lock up. his oh, uniform? <laughs> oh my God! Take it easy. Take on it the easy. Guy. He's going to be a teammate there. You know. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got a couple more. We got Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. All right, what do I think of Paul Pierce? All right. First, let me give Paul Pierce his his credit. The dude was in the league for a long time. Obviously, won an NBA championship. Um, he did his work. But I don't know about you, bro. That guy got under my. Skin. Skin. Yeah, he I think just everyone's got skin. under my skin, and I don't think it's changed. By the way, I think it's continued even since he retired. Um, everyone will always remember Lakers and the Celtics back in 2008. Paul Pierce goes down as if you know that's it; his leg is done, and then came back four minutes later, jogging on the floor like nothing happened. Uh, that's always kind <laughs> of a curiosity on that one. Uh, but look, give look. These guys all deserve to be there, but Paul Pierce, I can also comfortably say the dude got under my skin. I think he got under a lot of fans' skin. Everyone, if and unless I, you're a Celtic I, fan. And I think Paul Pierce liked it. You know, I think he liked that he got under certain people's skin. All right, the last one. Uh, my favorite guy on this list, Chris Webber, C-Webb. C-Webb. What do I remember from Webb? It's kind of interesting. You know, Chris Webb, unfortunately, there's two memories I have of him. I have him... The calling the timeout, oh, the timeout. You know, in, in, the, that, in the final that, four. That broke my heart. Or is that the championship game? And then yeah, also, it, was a, it was a championship game. And then also, uh, you know, Lakers and the Kings, how great those battles were, and the Kings were never able to, you know, we talk about rivalries. Rivalries, a true rivalry is Lakers-Spurs. Lakers win, Spurs win. They go back and forth. Lakers-Celtics. You don't have a rivalry with the Kings because they just they never won. They if had there was ever that thing, opportunity, you know, and they never did it. If there was ever such thing as a regular season rivalry, that was it. I think I somehow tied a find a way to tie every one of these guys to the Lakers. Remember the cowbell that they brought out in Sacramento? How about Shaq doing his rhyme right after Lakers winning Game Seven? How about Stoyakovich shooting the ball, shooting a corner three, and not getting anywhere oh, near the, the basket? The, the How about backward. going Game Seven in overtime? I mean, so many great stories. Uh, with Weber and Bibby and Divock and then that yeah. Lakers team. I, That's what I remember you about know, Weber. As a Laker fan, you don't want to see him win, but I wish he kind of won one, you know? That Weber got one? Yeah, Weber got yeah, one. I could see it, you know, as long as it's not against the Lakers. But <laughs> all these uh, all these dudes will be inducted this weekend into the Hall of Fame. Okay, this is what we got coming up next. Brian Windhorst says, don't overreact if the Lakers have a, uh, a slow start. Plus, are we not giving Rob Palenka enough credit? All that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, quick reminder. Tomorrow morning, we'll get uh, things started again starting at 6 a.m. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. I'm a huge fan of that show in the morning. Then right after that, myself, Travis Rogers, will go from 10 a.m., 9.55 to 1 p.m., Mason in Ireland, and then, of course, Sedano and Cap. So we got a full slate. Uh, loving this new lineup. Um, as we continue Lakers talk, I want to play something here from Brian Windhorst, who obviously comes on the show frequently. Um, I'm a big fan of his work. Take a listen, because he said, don't be surprised. He was on the jump saying, don't be surprised that the Lakers could start this season off slow. Take a quick listen. With so many new players, I'm not sure it matters who the Lakers are going to play, and I would encourage everybody to not react either high or low to that first month. Now, let me just point out that historically, Russell Westbrook, when he got traded to the Rockets, they got off to a slow start as his teammates learned how to play with him. When he got traded to the Wizards, slow start as his teammates learned to play with him. When LeBron had a new lead guard to play with in Dwayne Wade in Miami, slow start, 9-8. and eight. When he moved to Cleveland, new lead guard Kyrie Irving, slow start, 19 and 20. So listen, if they start out 15 and 5, great. But if they don't, regardless of this home schedule, don't overreact to it. This team might be designed to start slow. All right, that's Brian Winhorst right there on the jump. So a couple things on this. I get what he's saying. Philosophically, it makes sense. You got a brand new squad. By the way, I mean, who's remaining from last year's roster? You got LeBron, Anthony Davis, Taylor Horan Tucker, um, Mark Gasol, and Mark Gasol, that's still even a question mark. You, you got so many new faces. You could say, oh, well, Rondo's going to be comfortable. He's been with the Lakers. Dwight's going to be comfortable. He's been with the Lakers. Some of these other guys have been with the Lakers. The reality is you, you got so many new faces. It's going to take some time for, obviously, the guys to, to gel and everything else. So I, I get what Brian Windhorst is saying. But Funches and I were talking about this last week. You know, we, we, got, the, we got the schedule. Schedule came out, the new schedule. And the Lakers ended up 12 of their first 15 games are at Staples Center. Um, you know, you you got a couple tough ones you could say right out the gate, but look at all the other teams they play. They got Oklahoma City twice. They got Houston twice. They got Cleveland. They have um, they got a game at Portland. They got Minnesota. They got the Spurs. They got Chicago. Uh, what I'm basically trying to tell you is. 12 of your first 15 games are at Staples Center. I don't know if the Lakers get off to that slow of a start. Now, I'm also not the one you know, sitting here telling you that the Lakers have to have home court. I'm also not the one barking around saying that it's going to be so imperative that the Lakers have to be first place in the Western Conference. No, I'm not on that. I'm not on that list. Even though I do think don't underestimate the regular season, I feel like the Lakers will try to stay in the mix. We'll try to win as many games. We'll try to, as best as they can, have good seeding. And I'd be curious to see what the Brooklyn Nets are doing and kind of pay attention to that. Um, I don't think it's going to be a number one priority, but I actually I don't, I don't see the Lakers because the schedule is in such their favor. Yes, we'll take some time to gel. But uh, you know, playing off of that, twelve of the first fifteen home games at Staples Center, you should you should actually do some damage to start off the season. Um, one more clip that I want to play here because you know, coming up in a few minutes, uh, Christian Winfield, Nets and NBA reporter for the new for the New York Daily News, he is. Um, we're going to preview some Lakers Nets, what that could potentially look like. Those two teams as a collision course, the two best teams in the NBA. Take a quick listen to this. Jalen Rose on Jalen and Jacoby. 
was talking about Rob Palenka, and this this brings up a topic to me personally on this front. Take a listen to uh, to Jalen Rose. All I know is this. My former teammate Rob Palinka running laps around the rest of the league as it relates to putting this roster together. I remember coming on this program for days and days and weeks and weeks when people were trying to assassinate his character when he got the job. Now all I see is the best team in basketball. Okay, so a couple things there. Um, I'm not, you know, surprised or shocked Jalen Rose is going to give love to Rob Palenka, his former uh, Michigan teammate. We already talked about Chris Webber, and that timeout kind of ties all this together. Um, I, I will say that you can most definitely make a case, and I'll make a case right now. Yeah, I don't know if we talk about Rob Palenka enough, what he's done with the Lakers so far. I really don't. I mean, let, let's use this offseason as an example. Um, you know, you, you could look at certain players Lakers needed to it's not like the Lakers had all this flexibility going into the offseason. There were little there were there were contracts they made, extensions they made during the season that I thought, oh, you know what, Kuzma three years, thirteen thirteen a year, thirty nine million dollars. That's that's a good contract. That's a good contract as in Kuzma gets paid a decent amount of money. It's Many franchises would look at that contract and say, well, take a chance on that. It's Kyle Kuzma. The guy's 25 years old. He Three years, uh, $39 million. If you wanted to trade him, they trade him in the offseason. KCP, three years, $39 million. It's those deals that I thought made sense. It's Montrez Harrell opting into his final year so then he can go get shipped out. And I, the the cards that the Lakers had, Jovan mentioned this when we were chatting earlier, that when they initially went out and traded for Russell Westbrook, there was a ton of questions. Why is this going to work? How's this going to work? You, you know, should they have gone out and got Buddy Heald, or how are you going to surround the rest of the roster, so forth and so forth? I wasn't, I didn't have those questions, but other people did. And then by the time the dust settles, and you got champions littered all over your roster and veterans and you have three superstars in LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, um, you now have one of, uh, you know, obviously on a very short list of teams that could realistically win a championship. I, I get what what Jalen Rose is saying right there, that Rob Palenka, in his words, is running circles around the rest of the NBA. Listen, when it, whether he's running circles around them or not, um, this year, as as positive as I personally am on this upcoming season, uh, <laughs> excuse me there, excuse me there, um, as positive as we are on this upcoming season, a lot of this is obviously going to have to take its uh, run its course. But you should be giving Rob Palenka its his credit. You should be um, praising what Palenka has done so far. Now they just got to go out there and just make it happen. Um, okay, real quick here before uh, I get our next guest on, Christian Winfield, who covers the uh, Nets and NBA reporter for the New York Daily News. Let's not for a second think that the two favorites in the NBA are the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. One of the things I want to do, and the reason why I want to bring Christian on, is he covers the Nets, so he could give a little bit of perspective from the Brooklyn side, the moves that they made, and then I want to get an outsider kind of commenting on the Los Angeles Lakers. What does he think of the Lake Show? Does he think the moves the Lakers made were specific to go after the Brooklyn Nets, not really paying attention to the rest of the Western Conference? So we're going to do that coming up next. Christian Winfield, Nets and NBA reporter for the New York Daily News. He's coming up next. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Uh, Welcome back to Lakers Talk. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Christian Winfield covers the Nets and the NBA as a reporter for the New York Daily News. Uh, Christian, thank you for taking some time to come on. I mean, all all the conversation has been so far in the offseason. What are the Lakers doing? What are the Brooklyn Nets doing? And I wanted to get some perspective from your end, somebody that's out there obviously covering the team. So thanks for taking some time. No problem, man. You, you know what? When you think about these two teams, it's kind of like the Spider-Man meme, right, where there's two Spider-Man pointing right at each other. Uh, and, and that's kind of what, what the Nets and Lakers are at right now. You know, both of them had early uh, playoff exits, right? The Lakers mm-hmm. got bounced in the first round. The uh, the Nets got bounced in the second. And now they're understanding, hey, we, we've got to go for it. You guys out in L.A. have a very small championship window, if you ask me, and that window lasts as long as LeBron James is going to hold up. Uh, and the Nets, their, their championship window just extended a little bit with this Kevin Durant extension. But as we see, you know, an injury goes one way, two injuries happen at the same time, and now you're no longer a contender. So uh, I like what both teams did this offseason, and uh, I guess we're going to get back into it a little more. So th- this is, you know, Christian, I-, I think just to go back to what you were saying in the playoffs, Lakers obviously lose to the Phoenix Suns, injury a big part to do with that. Brooklyn ends up losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. Injuries a big part to do that. Those two end up facing each other in the NBA Finals. So each team is kind of, you know, making their own moves this offseason. Obviously, I, I really genuinely feel this, and I said this when the season ended, that the Lakers had to go get more top-heavy. They had to go get out. They had to go out there and get another superstar-type player. They did. They went out and got Russell Westbrook. But then all these other pieces, whether it's Paul Millsap and LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin coming back, and then they go get Patty Mills, or for the Lakers, a number of you know veterans have been in the league for a while on top of Westbrook. I, I get, get to your opinion or thoughts. Kind of walking into the season, what do you think the biggest advantages will be for the Nets versus the Lakers? What kind of stands out to you? Sheesh, what a question. Um, I mean, at, at first, when you look at it, just that head-to-head, when you have the big three going against the Lakers' big three, right? You've got Kevin Durant and LeBron James. You've got James. Actually, if you if you really want to line it up, it's Kevin Durant and, and Anthony Davis. It's James Harden and LeBron James. And it's Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook, right? Mm, yep. And, and I, I think the Nets kind of have an advantage here in, in a couple different ways. Number one, it, it's just such a tough cover Number one, you have three of the best isolation scorers ever, sure. right? And mm-hmm. we, we make a big deal about ISO being a bad thing, but that's when you have not players of this kind of efficiency, right? Kyrie Irving just made the 50-40-90 club for the first time in his career. I haven't seen him look that locked in uh, ever in his career. And there's no, you know, I, I feel like he's going to continue this trend. You know, Kevin Durant, I mean efficiency defined, right? He can shoot over anybody, uh, can get to any shot on the floor, just took Team USA to gold. And then James Harden is just showing that a part of his game that I didn't know from afar was there. You know, I think we all knew he could pass. You know, I think we all knew he could see the floor. But just his leadership, the way he's got guys tapped in, he's got guys. Nick Claxton came in and said, hey, kind of like Chris Paul, kind of like DeAndre Ayton said, Chris Paul 
uh, saved my career in a way or something like that. Nick Claxton said something like something similar when James Harden first got here. He said, hey, you know, James Harden has been responsible. He's changed my entire game. And uh, that that's kind of what you've got here in Brooklyn. And then just credit to Sean Marks just going out and getting a guy like Patty Mills because you know you're going to lose Spencer Dinwiddie. You go, you keep Blake Griffin, you bring back Bruce Brown, you, you went down the line. Um, but I, I still look at this Lakers roster, and I, I think it's just hard to count out LeBron James ever. Uh, I think Anthony Davis is just a, a handful to deal with. I think Russell Westbrook is a guy who – I think people are, are have just completely forgotten how difficult it is to get a triple-double, and he's made it so regular that people are kind of like rubbing it, writing it off like it's nothing. You know, it's it, the way he has an impact on so many different areas of the game – uh, it's just tough to it's tough to, to to deal with, and then when you have that matchup against a guy like Kyrie Irving, right? Like Kyrie's going to have to defend now, and not mm-hmm. not only is he going to have to defend, he's going to have to box out. He's going to have to try to stop Russ from getting to his spots. You know, it, it's going to be a very tough matchup. I think it comes down to the other guys, right? You guys had some great pickups. You go get Melo. If Melo was anything like what we've seen in in Portland, I think that's going to be a great addition. Uh, I like the Kendrick Nunn pickup. I like. Malik Monk, I think Malik Monk is going to have a couple things to prove because of what happened in Charlotte. Um, these teams, both of these teams have guys with tips on their shoulders, and I think it's going to be a great showdown. Uh, again, we have to, they have to make it there, right? They didn't make it there last year, so I guess we'll see if the injury bug lays off in, in Brooklyn and L.A. Christian Winfield covers the Nets and uh, the NBA as well for the New York Daily News, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. We're talking Hey, I don't care we're in September, the beginning part of September. Christian, I'm already hyped up about the Lakers and the Nets. And I, I you know, I say that yeah. I, I don't joke around either because, I, listen, when I say the only thing that would surprise me by the time we got to the finals, if both of these teams are healthy, I, I don't, I have a very, very difficult time trying to make a case that the Nets won't be in the finals and that the Lakers won't be in the finals. Of course, Anything can happen. And like I said, this is making sure that injuries don't play a part, which they can very well play a part. That's just part of sports. Um, but when I, I, look, I look at these two franchises, I, I think it's interesting you said this. You said you're kind of looking at it from, you know, you're all the way out there in Brooklyn. And I like that you said people forget how good Russell Westbrook is and how much of a challenge it is to impact the game in each one of these stat lines like he does every single night. Why do you think there is why do you think that happens with Russell Westbrook where it's so quickly, it's so easily people kinda are churn the page like, ah, oh, not a big deal. Why why do you think Russell gets because I, I do feel like he gets kind of the short end of the stick with that where we should be praising it more. I, I don't know if we I don't know if we are from uh from a mass perspective. You know, I I was having this conversation with, with actually with Lethal Shooter uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I, and do you remember the year Derrick Rose won MVP? Sure. You, you know, Derrick Rose, I, I don't want to take anything away from Derrick Rose. Incredible year, you know, and, and he deserved the MVP that year. But people got tired of voting for LeBron James. Let's call it what it is. He won mm-hmm. four out of the five MVPs, I believe, in that span, or maybe my math is wrong. He, he won a, a very large amount of MVPs in a short span, and guys were like, hey, no, we're not giving it to LeBron this year. Let's give it to D. Rose. I, I think something similar happened to Russell West that first year he averaged a triple-double, right? He averaged a triple-double, and then it was, okay, well, can he do it again, right? And now after he shows that he can put up triple-doubles regularly, it's, okay, well, let's we, we just devalued it altogether. It lost some of its value. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's a superhuman feat. Guys don't go out there and average triple doubles. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I don't even know. I, I I don't even know how many triple doubles Kevin Durant has in his career. I would say it's probably less than fifty, right? Mm-hmm. Probably le- probably far less than fifty. Probably somewhere less than twenty five. And Russell Westbrook has done it. He's averaged it. I think he averaged triple double on the Wizards last season. And I think that's really what it boils down to. Some guys are just fatigued by one guy doing something over and over and over again. And on top of that, he didn't have the winning success, right? He didn't get a chance to go to the finals by himself after Kevin Durant leaves, right? And he's had some of those hiccups with other guys that he's had to play with. Now you can't afford to have a hiccup. You're playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You know, these, are, these guys won a championship already. You're coming to help them. And I think he understands that. I think there's urgency at this level of his career now where he doesn't have a ring and he wants one um and i think there's also you know he's another guy that's got a chip on his shoulder right he's this is a hall of famer we're talking about and I, what, what did he get rated what 85 87 and 2k that's disrespectful right these, these guys have something to prove so i think russ is going to come out with a vengeance i'm so looking forward to that first matchup the preseason open i believe it's october 3rd between the nets uh and the lakers i'll be out there in la if you want to hang out um, there you and, go. Uh, I, I'm I can't in. wait, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. <laughs> All right, Christian Winfield, uh, Nets and NBA reporter for the New York Daily News, breaking down some um, this Lakers Nets, not the preseason game, the season. Right? This is supposed to be this is the pre- premier matchup in the NBA. Every move that the Lakers made in the off season, the Nets tried to answer. Both teams were fighting for. It seemed like. Um, all these veterans were just making a decision between the Lakers and the Nets. To, Christian, to answer what you said, you're right. Four out of five years, LeBron James. LeBron won two MVPs in a row, then Derrick Rose, and then two more for LeBron. Since then, that was 2012-2013, LeBron has not won an MVP. I, I, that, that, to me, actually is – that's the, probably the craziest that I've ever heard. Like, LeBron hasn't won – uh, an MVP in nine seasons. Okay, whatever that makes, uh, whatever that means. And then also you mentioned the Kevin Durant triple-doubles, 12 total in his career. So, I, look, right. that, that helps put it in perspective as well. I, I want to – if I if I try to stay with this, I, I'm trying to think here. You know, of course, LeBron and Kevin Durant is such a – it's such a fascinating story, those two players, and they have certainly, certainly competed against each other at the highest level. And whether they're playing each other in the NBA Finals or it's just those two watching each other, what's that guy doing? What's he accomplishing this year? Um, when you think of all the different storylines between these two franchises going into this upcoming season, is it is it LeBron and KD? Is it Russell Westbrook going up against Kevin Durant? Is it, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to think. Out of all the different storylines that you can create between these two franchises right now, is there one that sticks out to you more than the other? It's absolutely LeBron versus KD. I mean, think about when KD was on the Warriors, back-to-back trips to the finals, back-to-back daggers over LeBron from the same spot to basically the ISIS series, right? And I, I don't think LeBron is the guy who forgets these things, and I don't think Kevin Durant is the guy who forgets these things either. We, we know Kevin Durant thinks he's the best player in the world. We probably, if I had to bet, I'd say LeBron James still believes he's the best player in the world, and that's what you're getting. You're getting the clash of the two best guys. You, you know what's funny? I, I, I look on social media every now and again, and I see guys say, hey, Giannis is still, Giannis is the best player in the world. Giannis is, and don't get me wrong, Giannis, incredible season, NBA champion, tip your hat. But when you've got the MVP or the, the MVP before Jokic wins it, saying, hey, there's nothing we can do to stop Kevin Durant. He's the best player in the world. You got to take his word for it. And when you've got a guy like LeBron, who we just mentioned, what, four MVPs in a five-year span, he should have won more, but 
you know, people get tired of voting for a guy, and then on top of that, he joins some some superstar teammates. I mean, both of these guys have something to prove, and both these guys have history. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a back and forth there. Obviously, we're going to see the, the Russell Westbrook, and, and, and it's not even just Russell Westbrook and KD. James Harden is part of the equation, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so is Kyrie. I think Kyrie wants to go at everybody who thinks he's better than him. So it, it's going to be a, a such a fun series, but I think it's going to be headlined by this is LeBron. It, it's really... This is probably going to be who decides who's the best player in the world, right? If, mm. we, if we get a final showdown between LeBron and KD, because there's no clear-cut answer here. If you say it's LeBron, you're right. If you say it's KD, you have an argument as well. You could say it's Giannis, and hey, he's an he's a, a MVP and a champion now. It's hard to argue that. But if you've got these two going head-to-head in the finals, and one of them wins and the other one loses, sure. then that's the guy who you're going to say is the best player in the world, and that's what's going to be at stake. Christian, final one I got for you, Christian Winfield, Nets and NBA reporter for the New York Daily News, breaking down this upcoming season and this just fantastic matchup, the best team in the East, the best team in the Western Conference, Lakers and the Nets. Hopefully, um, you know, both teams stay healthy and and have that potential of meeting in the NBA Finals. Um, So last one, I guess, Christian, not looking at the Nets from afar, and I know that James Harden, um, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant only played a handful of games together. So this season we'll, sure. we'll get a much better preview of what that looks like. Can you explain to me, is is Kyrie the – is that the the question mark? If, if Kyrie has one of those types of seasons where – I don't know if this is the right way to put it. He's all in. All he cares about is a championship. He's there every single night doing everything he can. Um, is Kyrie kind of the difference in this whole thing, or is that somebody from afar trying to read into something where there's nothing there? Um, that, that's an interesting question. I mean, had Kyrie been healthy, right? If we're talking just from a purely health standpoint, had he been healthy to play in this series uh, against the Bucks, I think the Nets would be NBA champions right now, right? If, if James Harden was still out and didn't have to rush back with a hamstring injury and Kyrie Irving doesn't land on Giannis's ankle. Sure. Um, I, I think the Nets are getting them out of there in six games. And still, even seven. Seven almost went the, the Nets' way. If Kevin Durant wears one smaller shoe, uh, one size smaller shoe, the, sure. the Nets might be NBA champions right now. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's tough to call it because it, it's fair to say, hey, is, is Kyrie going to be even available given the, the situation he had last year where he took games off when, when we had the insurrection at the Capitol uh, and we had a bunch of other reasons. But, but I mean, I, I haven't necessarily seen that as an issue, just being able to cover the guy. He's a guy who wants to be out there and wants to play, wants to win, wants to win the championship. And more importantly, he wants to be there for his teammates. You know, and he's a guy who's gotten a bad rap, at least in my opinion, especially getting down to Boston, how he was covered there. Um, I don't think it's an issue in terms of him being on the floor, being, you know, I'm saying he's having uh, his, his mind focused on other things, even though we do know he's a guy who cares about human beings on this planet, right? I mean, if there's anything you could say is more important than basketball, it's probably, you know, the well-being of other people on the planet. But at the same time, I mean, he's a guy who seems, I mean, 50-40-90 last season speaks for itself. He's focused, man. I think he's going to be focused this year, and I think it's just a matter of him being healthy. As long as he's healthy, I think we're getting the, the best version of Kyrie Irving that we've seen. Christian, fantastic stuff. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Great conversation. And as we get closer to that first preseason game, we'll do it again, and we'll uh, we'll talk some Lakers and some Nets. All right, buddy? My guy, anytime. Anytime. All right, all right. that's Christian Winfield right there. Covers the Nets and uh, also an NBA reporter for the New York Daily News. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more. I kind of got some reaction here to this Lakers and Nets stuff. And then the podcast that Kyle Kuzma was on, 
um, with Gilbert Arenas talking about he was surprised that he ended up going to the Wizards, not the Kings. All that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, fantastic stuff there, uh, Christian Winfield. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and um, this was part of kind of the reasoning. I, I really do believe it's it's Lakers-Nets this year. I mean, listen, if the Golden State Warriors go make a move, um, you know, then maybe it's a different conversation. But the reality is I just think both teams are so stacked. Lakers don't go out and go try to get Russell Westbrook unless they feel like they need another superstar to compete with another team, and that team is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but Christian can, you know, obviously give a little bit of perspective. We we are here in L.A. We're obviously covering the Los Angeles Lakers. We're spending a lot of our conversation about the Lakers. I have a curiosity about that team in Brooklyn because I do think that is by far the biggest competition that the Lakers will have again championship number 18 could I be wrong of course could there be other teams in the Western Conference that end up um, you know making a struggle for the Lakers maybe the Jazz take another step maybe Phoenix continues that momentum that they had from uh, from this past year Uh, maybe Denver gets healthy and figures it out those are all maybes, and I don't feel nearly as confident saying that as I do as saying that the Lakers are obviously the class of the Western Conference. So um, I, I want to just kind of come back to something here real quick, and I know we did it a little bit earlier in the show. Um, Kyle Kuzma was on the No Chill podcast with Gilbert Arenas, and I'm going to read off one quick quote here, and I, I want to. there's a couple kind of wrinkles I want to take from this, specifically because Christian went out of his way He's all the way out in Brooklyn, and he's talking about Russell Westbrook. So we all remember the uh, on draft night, there was a lot of conversation. Everybody's sitting on Twitter. We're all looking at what Shams, what uh, Woj, what they're putting out there, what they're tweeting out there. And there was a lot of momentum going towards Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell being traded to the Sacramento Kings. Um, that was a lot of the conversation, and that was a lot of the momentum. By the way, if I, if I can say this, and the Lakers would get Buddy Heald, I don't know if there was a third team involved, whatever the case is, but the, the main piece was Buddy Heald would come to the Lakers. You still keep KCP, and then you kind of figure out, I, I'm assuming maybe you try to find a way to re-sign Dennis Schroeder. So you're really actually bringing back a lot of the main pieces that you had the year prior, but you're adding this just fantastic sharpshooter in Buddy Heald. I was not the biggest fan of that deal. It's not that I didn't think that the Lakers um, could not benefit from Buddy Heald on this team. It's not that I think that Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell would be more valuable to the Lakers. No, actually, I thought the opposite. I thought Montrez can actually excel up there in Sacramento, and I think Kuzma could have excelled up there in Sacramento, got a play, chance to play with De'Aaron Fox, some of those other guys that are up there in, uh, in, in, uh, in Sacramento. And... Long story short, that trade didn't go down. And I, I felt like there was a lot of criticism towards, oh, no, the Lakers should have made that move because it was the right fit. Buddy Hill, he fits a need for the Lakers that they needed, which was shooting. I get it. I understand. I mean, that, that, it makes sense why somebody would make that argument. But I'm going to stand back on, you know, something that I was saying back then and, you know, something that I, I still, you know, personally believe in. Um, it's for the Lakers. I, I did not feel like it was a matter of getting the right fit with the team that you had. You have to compete with who you think is the best team in the world, the best team in the NBA, and 
the Brooklyn Nets, when they traded for James Harden, changed the scope of the competition in the NBA. Lakers didn't have a chance to counter that. That happened after the season already started. It happened after the Lakers had already won a championship. Uh, offseason comes. You still don't know that James Harden being traded. And then the season starts, and I don't know how many games in. He's then traded to the Brooklyn Nets. That changed everything. Lakers didn't have a chance to react to that. I didn't think, and I still believe this, that Buddy Hield was going to be the difference of not just getting to the NBA Finals, not just simply getting past the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns and maybe the Clippers, Kawhi comes back in April, something along those lines, getting past the Clippers. Um, it wasn't about that, the Golden State Warriors. It was about, do you feel like you can beat the Brooklyn Nets in a seven-game set? Because Brooklyn is the team everybody was chasing last season. And technically, Brooklyn would be the team everybody's chasing this season. So I always felt like it was more important to go out and get the superstar. I, I remember doing the, uh, you know, right after the Lakers season ended, I did the post-game show, and I want to say the next day, I want to say I was doing, either it was a Lakers talk or I was doing a show with Travis, something along those lines. But I, I remember I kept saying, I don't want to see the same team back. They need to go get more top-heavy and then go get some veterans to fill out the rest of the roster. And, you know, sure enough, that's what the Lakers did. They went all in to try to go get Russell Westbrook, which they did, and then, you know, filled in the rest of the roster with the veterans. Is it guaranteed to work? No, of course it's not. But I think it gives the Lakers a much better chance um, against the team that I think is the only one standing in their way against the Brooklyn Nets. Now, some people would disagree with that. Some people, and this is, I think, what makes this season so fascinating. And Christian Winfield, who was on, um, and that's an NBA reporter for the New York Daily News. I like hearing it from somebody who's out of Los Angeles, who's kind of looking from afar. And one of the things that he mentioned was, wait a minute, Russell Westbrook? What, why, why are people giving Russell Westbrook grief? Why are people all of a sudden not valuing Russell Westbrook's triple-double productivity every single game, every single season, passing, passing Oscar Robertson. Why are they all of a sudden not valuing it the way they maybe used to? And he was given this example, and I think it's a, you know, this happens a lot with the MVP race. Well, this guy's won it so many times. Let's give it to somebody else. Because the reality is there, were a time, there was a time in the NBA where Shaquille O'Neal should be winning MVP every year. There was a time in the NBA where LeBron James should be winning MVP every year. You know the last time LeBron James has won Most Valuable Player, I know I mentioned it to him when he was on, was the 2012-2013 season. That means one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons since the last MVP. They are making the argument that somebody else has been the most valuable player in the NBA. And I think sometimes when you look at Russell Westbrook, there's times we don't value as much as what he brings to the table because he just does it so often. You start taking, you know, start taking things for granted. I think Russell Westbrook's one of those players. Now, how it all pans out, I'm not sure. I do like that Kuz went out of his way to uh, talk about that trade. Listen to this. He said, I was super hyped, obviously, because it's a better situation. Going to Sacramento would have been fun. I would have been, I would have went crazy for sure. That's how I think. But to have an opportunity to play with Bradley Beal, someone that is trying to really be a winner in this league, he's a killer, man. I will say this. For Kuz, um, whichever franchise he ended up with, Sacramento or with Washington, I thought Sacramento actually would have been a better fit for him. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be paying attention, not too close of attention. I haven't, I haven't really done this very much. You know, the Brandon Ingrams of the world, the Julius Randles, the Jordan Clarksons, um, D'Angelo Russell, 
Larry Nance. I haven't really paid that much attention to what these other guys are doing. I, there's a curiosity. See if these guys are going to be successful. You can add Kyle Kuzma to that list, obviously not being a part of the Lakers uh, organization anymore. Kind of a trip, too. You know, having a conversation, we're looking at the preseason schedule. So the Lakers NBA preseason schedule, and I know, you know, just as we got, I was on vacation when the actual schedule came out, but preseason, October 3rd. It's an October 3rd game, and then they play again on October, um, or at least the the Lakers do. They play on October 3rd. But one of the things I kind of always pay attention to with the Lakers, and this was coming off of something with Brian Windhorst a little bit earlier, we played some sound on, um, I don't know how long it's going to take for the Lakers to kind of hit their stride. I don't know how long it's going to take for us to feel like, okay, hey, Russ knows exactly what he's doing. Look at AD and LeBron. They're clicking like they always do. All these role players are playing so well, and they're obviously all having an incredible impact on a game-in, game-out basis. Everybody knows the amount of minutes they're going to play. Who's going to be kind of the dog on the team? Who's the guy that's focused more on the defensive side? I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think you know we should spend a little bit of time. You're going to have to give this team a little bit of runway once the season starts, but you know the exciting part is we're not that far away. We we genuinely are not that far away from the Lakers season starting, and they have uh, Funches broke this down for me uh, last week. Twelve of their first fifteen games are at home. So yes, things might not click to begin with. It might take a second, but they should still be winning games. I mean, you should get off to a fast start when you have that type of uh, that type of start where. 12 of your first 15 games are at home. Um, all right. If you missed any part of the show, uh, it was great to catch up, as always, with Jovan Buha, the uh, uh, Lakers and NBA reporter from The Athletic. It was great to have Christian Winfield on, Nets and NBA reporter for the New York Daily News. Uh, hit some uh, hit some solid Laker topics today uh, or tonight. And that's, uh, you know, obviously, even in the offseason, there's plenty to talk about. Uh, quick thank you to Steve Paulette. Quick thank you to Michael Funches. Everybody that called into the show, thank you for being a part of the show. Always a quick reminder, ESPN app or on iTunes, if you missed any part of Lakers Lakers Talk, the full two hours, you could always catch it on the podcast. Just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. And then I'm back tomorrow morning at 9.55 with Travis Rogers. Don't forget, everything starts at 6 a.m. with Keyshawn J. Will and, uh, and Max Kellerman with that show. L.A., appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a great rest of your night.